Lindsay is stuck in the middle of her relationship with Ben and his passion for the Boston Red Sox. This is Ryan. And this is Ashley. And this is Ruining Ruining Our Childhood. Childhood, A weekly podcast where we remove our childhood goggles and put on our adult bifocals to rewatch and review our favorite movies from the past. That is what we are doing today. And thank you for doing the introduction with me. It always throws me off if you don't say it with me. Sometimes I'm just, you know, hanging out. Yeah. Watching you. Yeah. Because I'm entertaining. No, sometimes I just forget what we're doing. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I usually say this with you. Yeah. Yeah. I also noticed the last couple times I feel like I don't have as much energy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, ruining our childhood. And then I was listening. Well, I wasn't listening, but my phone started playing an episode, like episode 20 or something. And I said it was such... Joy. Yeah. I feel like the one that I didn't have the energy was forgetting Sarah Marshall, but I feel like we were both coming down with colds. Yeah. Towards the end of it, I was sniffling, and it was pretty brutal to kind of get through it. But I feel like last week, I thought we both sounded good. Sure. So it's another week of our Valentine's Day celebration. Rom-com time. Is that what we're going to call yeah. it? Yeah. And oh. I had to shake my hands, which nobody can see. Yeah. But I still Well, I mean, it. for Halloween, we had... The spooktacular. That is correct. So what is this one going to be called? Rom-com-tastic February. That's a lot of words that I'm not going to remember. Which also we're not even in February, so it's our rom-com-tastic Valentine's celebration. Rom-com-tastic Valentine's Day celebration. That is correct. That's a lot of words. Yep. Put it on a card, Hallmark. Put it on a card, Hallmark? Yep. What? Happy Rom-Com-tastic Valentine's Day Celebration 2020. I'm already lost. <laughs> There's so many words in that. Valentine's uh, Day isn't just enough. You gotta have the Rom-Com-tastic Valentine's Day Celebration. Okay, you better write this down so I can remember it. <laughs> um, This week, we are doing the 2005 classic Fever Pitch, which I guess... If you count the out of the movies that we picked for this, whatever you just called it. Rom-com-tastic Valentine's Day celebration. Yes. This is one of your picks. Yes. I I guess, uh, do you want me to start doing the facts about the movie and then we'll go into our... I guess that's films? what we do, right? Okay. Uh, so this movie was released on April 6th of 2005. It had a budget of $30 million and grossed $50.5 million dollars. Big TV shows from 2005 include American Idol, CSI, and Desperate Housewives. The number one hit the week the movie came out was 50 Cent featuring Olivia, Candy Shop. Uh, Other popular songs were Kanye West and Jamie Foxx, Gold Digger, and Mariah Carey, Don't Forget About Us. Nice. Uh, Popular movies were Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Good year for cinema. What were your earliest memories of the movie? So, this movie, I actually do have a very vivid memory of going to see it because, and you've heard the story numerous times, but I'm going to tell it. So, 2005, I had moved to Arizona with my parents, Mm -hmm. and my brother and his now wife had 
driven down with us and they were staying with us for a couple days mm-hmm. and we went and saw a movie and didn't really know the area so we went to this older theater that no longer exists anymore and I was a little uncomfortable all movie because I felt like first of all it's hotter than shit in Arizona and I came from Montana that is, and it was yeah. April yeah or late March no April April mm-hmm. you just told me yep yeah you paid attention well I do and we're sitting in the theater, was wearing shorts. After the movie, I enjoyed the movie, got up, and I had sat in somebody else's pee. And if you're thinking, how, how didn't you notice that? I have no clue. <laughs> All I know is towards the end of the movie, I get up and my whole butt is wet. Mm-hmm. And it smells. As pee does. Strongly of urine. Oh, man. And I remember I made my brother go get the car. He drove to the side of the parking lot and I like ran out of there through the side door. It was in that literally I had lived in Arizona for like two days. That was my introduction to Arizona. I think for the next like couple of years, I always check the seats. People would always say Arizona is kind of a pee pee state. So there you go. Nobody's ever said that. Nobody's ever said that. No, but that... Uh, New Jersey, on the other hand, that's a PP state. Hey, why you're constantly trying to alienate our any viewers that we have? It we have like a, it was ten a joke. Listeners, I say viewers, listeners, <laughs> and you're and they always... might be from New Jersey. Yes, it was a joke. I have nothing against New Jersey. Some of the greatest musicians of my life are from there. I'm gonna start writing down all of the things you say to get people to not listen to our podcast. Where I tell so them then if when they we... don't know who Kevin Pollack is, they shouldn't listen to our podcast. You say it at least once an episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. About once an episode. Yeah. It's what I do. And also, who cares if they don't know who Kevin Pollack is? They're still allowed to listen. I mentioned him because he was the, on the last episode and that's who I said it about. I'm like, usually I say it about someone who's more famous than Kevin Pollack. So, yeah. That's true. Just stop. Okay. Let us know if Ryan is alienating you. If you're going, I'm not going to listen anymore because Ryan just told me that I'm not cool enough to listen to the podcast because I don't know. I wasn't really sure who Kevin Pollock was, but I was like, I'll still listen. But I live in Hoboken and then he insulted New Jersey and I can't deal with this. Uh, anyway, what was your earliest memory? I remember seeing this movie with my friend Monica. Oh. Um, we went and saw it together, and it was a good movie. Uh, 2005, I was a really big Jimmy Fallon fan. Yes. He had just left SNL. I thought he was going to be a huge movie star. That really didn't happen. No. Uh, he's obviously very successful. He hosts The Tonight Show, and I, I feel like he's much more popular than what Jay Leno was. Yeah. Because he's not as polarizing as what Jay Leno was. And there's people out there that don't find Jimmy Fallon funny and... I know there was always the knock on him when he was on SNL because he would break in skits a lot and laugh. But I always, his parodies that he would do, the songs were always funny. And I loved when he would host uh, Weekend Update with Tina Fey. Yeah. Just a big fan of him. And then also the female lead. I love Drew Barrymore. She's fantastic and been delightful my entire life. Yeah. So I was pretty excited about that. And you throw in the fact it had some baseball. Just seemed like it was going to be a really good movie. And I really enjoyed it. I agree. With your assessment. <laughs> Thank you. I, I said agree like you said you, it was going to hold up. I feel like you're going towards that, that you set, think it's going to hold up. Mm-hmm. I do. 
I think it's going to hold I up. I like how you're just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not on a podcast side. Don't want to get charged for words. <laughs> we got to pay by the word, folks. I think it's going to hold up because of Drew Barrymore. And I remember them having a good dynamic. Exactly. And they're obviously, I think they're still friends, right? So. Yeah. Like she introduced Jimmy Fallon to his wife or something like that. And I want to say on his first album, she's the person that does the introduction. Like he's going to perform in, an on- in front of an audience. And I want to say that's Drew Barrymore's voice introducing him. Oh. So. Could be I wrong. I don't remember. I mean, I have the album. Yeah. But I don't remember. But I agree with you that I really loved him and that's why we went to this movie. Mm-hmm. And Drew Barrymore, yeah. I mean, she's classic. And she's ruining our childhood award winner. That is correct. For The Wedding Singer. Yeah. So I... And I she won have... the good award. Yeah, no. Yeah. 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 Not the bad one. No. No. I can't remember who I gave it to in the bad one. Maybe Christy Taylor? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody. They had to have been in the movie for us to give them the award. <laughs> is that is that the rule? That is the rule. Anyway. We're always... Uh, I feel like we're getting really awkward right now. Yeah. Why are you staring at me? I'm looking at the person that I'm talking to. Why did you say it like that? You asked me a question and I answered it. So, yeah, we both think it's going to hold up. Where can this movie be streamed? Uh, Places. I have no clue. Let me see. Oh, it's on Hulu, apparently. Okay. And Stars, Amazon subscription. I don't know if there's a difference between on this website if it the difference if it just says stars or if it has to say stars amazon i don't know hmm. i don't know it just might be the symbol that they have for stars hmm. i don't know but so you can stream it if you haven't seen the movie i remember enjoying it and hopefully we're gonna enjoy it again today yeah i i think it's gonna hold up just because of the chemistry and thinking it's funny i don't remember any sort of like dated references or but there's so many things where we rewatch the movies and there's stuff that I might just block out of my mind or maybe 20 years ago I didn't think were such a big deal but now I'm like that's yeah no that that's part of it is the things that were said 20 years ago maybe you didn't realize how cringeworthy it would be in 20 years yeah and it was just kind of the norm, whereas now we're a little more politically correct society and sometimes things you just go, wow, that does not age well. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to be the case with this movie because I've never really associated Jimmy Fallon or Drew Barrymore as being people that are kind of edgy and say things like that. I, Adam Sandler's done it. And they stuff also like didn't that. write the movie. They didn't, but also I wouldn't pick them to be people that would do a movie that had some lines like that. Like yeah. Seth MacFarlane, somebody like that. I it wouldn't surprise me. They're a little more edgy and they have no problem saying stuff like that. Yeah. So. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, Brett, turn off my phone. (laughs) Are we going to go ahead and hit that? Pausey pause. I I swear I'm having, I never have a hard time at the beginning. It's always today. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Yes. We're going to go ahead and hit that pausey pause. Come back and talk about fever pitch. We just finished watching the movie Fever Pitch, and we're going to go ahead and break down our movie with our categories. Like we always do. And our first category is Well Hello There, where we talk about any cameos of famous or recognizable actors or actresses that we forgot were in the movie. And there was some, but not as many as I would have hoped. Yeah, I agree. The first one I noticed was Ioni Sky. Mm-hmm. 
who played Molly, one of Lindsay's friend, and Lindsay is Drew Barrymore's character. And Ione Skye is in one of my favorite movies of all time, Say Anything. Yes. yes that's yes. pretty much all I know her from. I, she's been in a bunch of other things, but... That's but, the main one I think yes. people would recognize her from. The first one I noticed was uh, Lenny Clark. He plays Ben's Uncle Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I believe, is a stand-up comedian, and I remember him being on Rescue Me with Dennis Leary. Oh, okay. And also, um, Colin Quinn used to have a show that would be on after The Daily Show. I forget what the name of it was, but it was essentially like kind of a politically incorrect show where he hosted and they would have four comedians, and Lenny Clark was on quite All a bit. Yeah, him and... He looked uh, familiar, like yeah. he's been a character actor in some movies. Yeah. Probably some Farley movies for all I know. Exactly. And they I like to use the same people. Well, and I think he's also real life very good friends with Dennis Leary, so he'll pop up in a lot of the stuff that he does. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. My next one was another one of Lindsay's friends, because she has a group of three mm-hmm. girlfriends that dispense terrible advice to her. Um, is Marissa Jarrett Win- Winokur, and she's just been in a bunch of TV shows, bit parts, but actually she played Tracy Turnblad in the Hairspray Broadway. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So. She did look familiar, and I could not place her. But yeah, that I mean, makes... she's <clears throat> been in a lot of TV shows, just like one episode here, one episode there. But... Yeah, that makes a lot of sense then. Yeah. Um, the next one I recognize, because I honestly did not recognize her friends. Uh-huh. Uh, for me, was the person that played Kevin, which was Willie Garrison. Oh, yes. And he was, I believe, on Sex and the City, and I remember him from the movie Out Cold. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's what, yeah. But he's just like a character actor. Comedian. Yeah. He's in a lot of things. I primarily remember him from Sex and the City, mm-hmm. and I think he's in White Collar, or he was. I don't think that show's on anymore. <laughs> I don't think it is, but yeah. No. Okay. That's my next one. Oh, Another one of her friends is Katie Strickland, and the only thing I really remember her from was Private Practice. Oh, okay. So, and she was on quite a a few episodes of that, and she played Robin on this movie, (laughs) Beaver Pitch. Gotcha. The next one that I recognized was, he played Al Waterman, who is one of uh, Jimmy Fallon's friends, Ben. Uh, he's not really a friend. He's just a guy who sits near him at Fenway Park. Yes. And you could tell he was a season ticket holder. So they've known him since Ben was five. Yeah. And his name is Jack Keeler. And the main thing that I recognized him from was Men in Black 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he's just another another character actor. There like, really wasn't... Been in stuff. Surprisingly, not a lot of super famous people in this movie outside of jimmy fallon and drew barrymore that's true there's just a bunch of people that look familiar like my next one is an actor named johnny sneed mm-hmm. and he played robin's husband who was the one that was trying to buy the tickets off of ben oh okay or Jim, jimmy fallon's character and he's been in parks and rec and uh one of his other credits was love and mercy which oh okay is brian wilson movie yeah. with john cusack and uh paul dano yes gotcha but i remember him from parks and rec just played one of the residents i think but he... now that you said that i can kind of play some yeah yeah um some of the other ones i'll just rattle off their names okay. uh they were mm. some of the athletes that appear when at the beginning of the movie 
it's a young Ben going to a game with his uncle Clark and he, or sorry, uncle Ben, uncle Carl, <laughs> sorry, Lenny Clark plays uncle Carl and they walk into Fenway park and they show Dennis Eckersley, Dennis Eckersley and Jim Rice who played on the Red Sox in the probably late seventies, early eighties, mm-hmm. which I thought was funny that they just basically dyed their hair. You could tell it was them and they're also clearly in their 60s. Right. But yeah, so they were just some of the athletes. That... The other person I recognized was Joe Beth Williams, who played Drew Barrymore's character's mom. Mm-hmm. And she's just been in quite a few things. Kramer versus Kramer, apparently. Oh, wow. Um, but she she's in Heart of Dixie. She mm-hmm. plays Zoe Hart's mom, so. Yeah. Right away I recognized her because we, fun fact, just did a watch through of Heart of Dixie and just yeah. ended it this week. Um. Some of the other sports figures, uh, Dan Patrick's in the movie, Steve Levy, Harold Reynolds, Tim McCarver, and Peter Gammons, they're all just sports commentators. Yeah. Mm. Um, the other one was just a cameo. It was Stephen King throwing up the first pitch. Yeah. So. That was kind of yeah. neat. Which leads me to believe that maybe that really was filmed on opening day. Yeah, I think I was kind of looking at the trivia and it looked like they did film a couple of times at actual Red Sox games and then they filmed stuff in Toronto, I think, or Ontario for some maybe close up scenes or something. Okay, that makes sense because in the movie they're randomly there at Niagara Falls. At yeah, one point. that makes sense, huh? Not that Niagara Falls and Toronto are in the same place, but it would make sense maybe they're up in Ontario. Yeah. That always irritates me with movies. Um, when I was a kid, Major League came out, and all the outside shots were Cleveland Stadium, but the inside shots of the stadium were Milwaukee County Stadium. Yeah. And then the second one, it's supposed to be Jacobs Field, but it's the stadium in Baltimore. That has always irked me. Well, because you, you know what they look like inside. But, like, here, at least... the. I actually never knew that any of it was filmed outside of Fenway Park because it looks like Fenway. Uh, the majority of the scenes you can tell are actually there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do like about the movie because mm-hmm. they could have easily kind of gone the lazy route and did like a green screen or like you said, film it in a smaller stadium. Go film it in Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles or something like that. Yeah. But no, they went as far as, no, this is Boston. We're going to film there. And I did read like the scene where at the very end, spoiler alert, when... Lindsay runs across the field. Mm -hmm. They filmed that after a game, and then they asked people if they wanted to stay, and people could be extras, basically. I kind of was thinking maybe they filmed it right before a game. So that makes sense. Yeah. Because you could tell the stadium was full. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, So that's cool that people hung around. Yeah. Did you have anybody else? Uh, No, that was actually it for me. Oh. Oh. uh, Just some of the. Boston Red Sox players were Johnny Damon, oh, Jason yes. Baratek, and Trot Nixon. Like, Johnny Damon's actually in the movie because she runs up and takes his glove and throws it at someone. So. <laughs> like, right in the face. Yeah, that was kind of cool. I'm going to move on to our next category? Yes. The next category is called, kids would call it a throwback, we call it the prime of our teens, where we talk about fashion, offensive jokes, and dated references, and... <clears throat> Whoa, I lost my voice for a second. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> uh the fashion choices i i will have to, i do have to say that for a movie that's 15 years old i didn't think the fashion could look dated yeah and it looks incredibly dated to me okay 
And it's weird because I was kind of comparing it to last week's movie, The Wedding Planner, Mm -hmm. where I felt like this movie was more dated for being four years later. Yeah. I don't don't know. Maybe because in The Wedding Planner, they kept things kind of like simple and preppy. Yeah. And some of the stuff was a little more classic where this one, I feel like the men's clothing was really baggy and not fitted and the women's clothing was just weird colors that aren't really popular right now and it just to me looked really dated i agree with on like specifically jimmy fallon's wardrobe it was very of the times yes but i felt what really irritated me was his hair yes it was very shaggy looking oily oily it was not what you like jimmy fallon we see him on every night on television and he's very clean cut but in this he's just he's making bank now yeah but in this he's trying to be a little bit of a slub or schlub, not a slub. What's a slub? I don't know. A slummy schlub. <laughs> um, but yeah, his hair was really bad. But I thought Drew Barrymore's hair looked very normal. I think for the most part it did. It was just that first scene where it was really extra. It reminded me of when it was popular to have like that wet textured look where it looked like they did like really fine curls. Mm-hmm. And the side swoopings, it was very of mid 2000s that first scene was the worst for ben's wardrobe he was wearing like six layers yeah he was wearing a a collared shirt of a sweater. tie a sweater over the collared shirt and then he was wearing a hoodie, a hoodie and then a jacket and yeah. it might have been a hoodie jacket combo but it looked like two different and i was like that's a lot of layers a lot so many layers the next thing that I noticed was there's a scene where Jimmy Fallon's playing football or Ben's playing football with his friends and Kevin, Willie Garrison, has a strap to keep his glasses on <laughs> his head, which just made me think like when I was a kid, my brothers both wore glasses and they'd play bas- basketball and they'd have to wear that little strap. So uh. keep your glasses from flying off your face. Makes sense. But I don't know the last time I saw anybody wear those i don't know it's been a long time i feel like there's still be a need for them i just feel like more people wear contacts and even when this movie came out that was kind of a dated thing I yeah would say. so i remember my dad having one of those like connectors for sunglasses and then you could like let them hang yeah yeah i think that was it for fashion choices mm-hmm. there was just i mean it's boston ton of red socks stuff and oh yeah a couple kids wearing some so that, to stuff. me that was classic yeah it was just the first part of the movie where before you really know he's an insane red Sox fan where he everybody's wearing really dated things yeah just like the cut of things too mm-hmm. it still freaks me out that things can look dated from a time where i was an adult yeah. essentially an adult i mean i was only 19 when this movie came out but still yeah I was a little little happy 20-year-old. Yeah. Um, so what about offensive jokes or dated references? I will say I did not have any offensive jokes. I will agree. There was just some things that I, I nitpicked a little. Mm-hmm. Not so much that they were, like, offensive, but I thought in a way they were dated. And that was the... One of the ones was the whole conversation with Lindsay and her friends and they're talking about Ben and they're like questioning why he is so good and what's wrong with him because he's in his 30s. So why hasn't he... I want to say the one lady... It's my cringiest moment, so I won't say it, but she uses some phrases that 
I know for sure if it was a man talking about a woman, then they'd be super offensive. But I think even now, I feel like talking about that about anybody is kind of offensive. <clears throat> it's kind of hard. <laughs> I'm not going to say it because I, it's my cringiest moment. But. I get it. And we will cover it. Yeah. Um, the only couple dated references was Ben does the worm. Yes. At a Gatsby-themed birthday party. Which is awesome. Yeah. And then also they do mention, or they didn't mention it, but Ben rents a couple videos, which is dated technology. Yes, that's very true. But he rents Roadhouse. Yes. Which is, I mean, it's timeless, but it's dated. It is. Yeah. I I guess one of the other, I guess, dated references and something they use a lot in rom-coms, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, was just pointing out that several times that Lindsay is 30 and she doesn't have a serious boyfriend. And I think we've gotten gotten away from that, like, defining yourself just Mm -hmm. by being in a relationship. And also that if you're a woman and you are not in a relationship by a certain amount of time, then there's something wrong with you. Oh, totally. It was (laughs) a very big trope in movies. It was always the mother... Asking the daughter, when are you going to date somebody? Yes. You're you're 30, you know, but... No, Even in not... last week's movie, yeah. uh, her dad was pushing her to get married. So it's... I feel like we're getting away from that because it just kind of reinforces that stereotype that we all have, like, this time limit. Or we have to hit these marks in our lives, and if we don't, there's something wrong with us. You're somehow less of a person yes, if you exactly. aren't married by 30. No, I'm just living my life. Thank yeah. you. Or in her case, she's busy working. Yeah, she's insanely successful and loves her job. Exactly. Uh, Did you have any other ones? No, I did not. Ready to move on? Oh, I did have one more. Just like the craze of Johnny Damon is a little outdated for me. Because I remember when this movie came out and before, I wasn't really into baseball. But I knew who Johnny Damon was because of the amount of women that thought he was good looking. His beard was dated. The funny thing is, I'm obviously a huge baseball fan. I remember when Johnny Damon first came into the majors, and he was a clean-cut young guy. And I kind of lost track of him. It was the season before this is, I believe, when he grew that beard and his hair out. And I remember it was opening day, watching the Red Sox game. It was on, like, ESPN. And I'm watching it with my brother, and he goes, I half expected him to walk in with a stick over his shoulder and all, everything in a knapsack over <laughs> like him because he looks like a hobo. Aww. But they ran with it. And yeah. I remember the Johnny is my homeboy t-shirts. Yes. And he was, I would say it's a guy who turned having a look such as long hair and a beard into a marketing scheme. And he got a huge contract out of it. He was a good player. By no means was he garbage but he got paid pretty damn well to not be that great and great of a baseball player what did he get out of it got paid pretty damn well no what is the thing he had to sign to get money oh you're a jerk a contract <laughs> you jerk you said it right uh, son of a bitch you did not say it right the first time oh i said contract yeah he contract. doesn't say his t's guys yeah one thing i learned about ryan doesn't say his t's at the end of certain words you don't have to say all the word Z- you should. And he does it intentionally. That's the thing, too. Not intentionally, but that's how you talk. It's not yeah. like a misstep or like you saying it wrong because your mouth doesn't want to work. Like what happens to me 90% no, no. of the time. Yeah. It's yeah. just silly. I just leave letters out sometimes. Yeah. Or in that word's case, all the time. 
every single time. The T is silent. Yeah, you didn't know that? And and the C is silent in attic. Attic. And then uh, I always say paper towel. Yeah. And you're like, it's paper towels. Especially if you're grabbing more than one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let us know if you uh, don't pronounce letters and words. Heck yeah. Leave them out. Who needs them? People. <laughs> Do you want to move on? Yes. Go ahead. It's all you. Get ready to answer your flip phone, because we're about to talk about some 2005 technology. <laughs> Ashley's excited because Ryan brought back the, the electronic puns. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you got rid of them. I think it was really easy to come back from our break when we would pause it to go watch the movie. It was real easy to hit them with a joke. But then we moved it down and they just kind of went away. I'll try to bring them back, though. Okay. What uh, pieces of technology did you notice? Uh, the first one I noticed at the beginning of the movie, Ben is driving a couple of his students to meet Lindsay mm-hmm. because of her job. Is she an accountant or something? I think, yeah, that would be a good way to sum it up. And he's a math teacher, so he takes some of his more prized students. Ones that have shown an interest in possibly getting into a mathematic career field. Right. And the two girls are on their bulky candy bar cell phones and talking to each other, which is, to me, talking on the phone to your friends is almost a dated reference because... You just text. Nobody calls anymore unless yeah. it's your parents. That's true. Or a creditor. Yeah, bill collectors. Or people trying to buy your house in Tucson that you don't own. <laughs> oh, Javier. Yeah. yeah. I mentioned Lindsay's flip phone, but also late in the movie, they go to that Gatsby-themed birthday party. Yeah. And when they're leaving, they go out to get their car from a valet, and the valet has this real old radio with an antenna sticking off of it. So they could listen to the Red Sox game. Yeah, it was pretty... It was bulky. Yeah. The only other one I really noticed was when, at one point, they're at the Red Sox game and Lindsay gets hit with a baseball. Mm -hmm. And they're back at her apartment and she's laying in bed and they're watching TV and it does a replay of her getting hit in the face. Mm -hmm. But her TV was so clunky. Yeah. And it was like two different colors, Mm -hmm. the border of the TV. It was silver and black, which to me it just seems really dated but it was a flat screen but it still seemed really old and dated and small yeah it was kind of interesting watching this movie because i felt like maybe this was right when technology was kind of shifting because i noticed in her office she had a flat screen monitor on Mm -hmm. her computer it was a little thick but it wasn't anything atrocious but then there was still a bulky TV that Ben's sitting there watching a rerun of Bill Buckner's Air in yeah. the World Series, and he's watching it on a VCR. It's weird because I feel like that's that kind of data technology doesn't look bad because if you think in the context of he's a single guy living in an apartment by himself, so maybe he can't afford to get a new TV. Mm-hmm. And I just think like everything that had to do with Lindsay, like her office looked really dated because just the weird motifs where they're trying to be extra modern. Extra modern. But it's like 2005 modern, which there's a lot of steel. A lot of steel, a lot of glass. And then a lot of like bright red chairs. Mm -hmm. And and then her apartment was the same way. It was, you could tell it if when this movie came out, it was probably the top of the line kitchen design and bathroom design, but just looks so dated. Yeah, they it was kind of a industrial modern look that yeah. they were trying to go with in her apartment and then also at the office. 
But yeah, because it was when he was watching the tape, I was going, well, nowadays people would watch it on YouTube. But yes. YouTube wasn't around back then. There was, there's a one point where, and it was what you were saying when he decides to go to the birthday party with her instead mm-hmm. of going to the game because he never misses a game. And there are missing parts of the game. And to me, I guess the whole climax of the movie is that he's fine with missing the game until he finds out that it was like the best comeback of all time. Yeah. Then he gets really angry. But nowadays, and I was thinking in this mind frame, I'm like, why don't you just go online and watch a video of it? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's different because you're not experiencing it firsthand. But I feel like nowadays, if you miss something amazing in a sport that you're watching, you could easily just pull it up and watch it. Yeah. It'd be all over the internet anyway. But but he was a different type of breed in the sense. That's true. It was sacrilege to even miss one game. Yeah. Which is just, I don't know, disturbing. Did you have anything else? No, that was it for the technology side of things. I did want to move on to DVD special features because it had the that really intense uh, piracy commercial yes. that I totally just takes me back. How They're... dare you! You wouldn't steal a car. Yeah. Why would you steal a movie? It's so intense. Yeah. It's so dated too because of the way they shot it. Just the font itself. Ugh. It's amazing. It was just like one step away from having lens flares like J.J. Abrams directed like, their commercial. Or like the the guys that did the Matrix. Yeah. It was very Matrixy. Yeah. I felt like. It really was, for sure. Uh, did you have anything on this? Uh, no, nothing on the special features, just on the soundtrack. I mean, it wouldn't be a Boston Red Sox movie without Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond being yes. shown and them singing it at the game. And then um, Dropkick Murphys. Yes gotta play that and tessie was uh on there which is another boston song i guess yeah yeah but i will say there wasn't really any songs that dated it no because there wasn't like the you know they weren't playing candy shop by 50 cent yeah there was that that song in the very beginning when he's driving with his students and they're like turn it up this is my jam they didn't say jam and they definitely didn't say bop those kids did have some slang when they were talking to their teacher after they were at the field trip. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember any of it. It was just like the whole scene was just a bunch of 2005 slang. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I just, the, it's not even a slang, but I will always remember when uh, Lindsay asked the kids, like, do you ever look at license plates and just sets of numbers and try to rearrange them and add them and multiply them and just come up with different things. And the one kid's like, that's my secret shame. Yeah. I and love that line. I just remember after seeing this movie, me and Monica would say that to each other pretty much every day was, that's my secret shame. That's, I don't know. that's was, a good line. Yeah. There were so many lines in this that were pretty hilarious, but we'll, we'll get to that in just a second if you want to move on. I do. This next category is called Is It Even Good? Where we talk about the plot and the plot holes. And we talk about our funniest and cringiest moments of the movie. What about that plot? So it's a movie set in Boston. It's a movie? With a Bostonian who's obsessed with the Red Sox? I don't believe this. No. It is so believable. (laughs) I was just... Again, comparing it to last week's movie, because it's fresh in my mind, Mm -hmm. and how different this movie is in the fact that the plot is relatable, it's honest and believable, because they're not really lying to each other 
in this grand scheme of, like, they're in other relationships or anything, they're kind of lying to each other about how much one really cares about the Red Sox and the other one doesn't. Yeah. But it's it just seemed like a real situation that people deal with this is, you know, how much is too much when your loved one is obsessed with something and... Because it was kind of interesting. She's not really familiar with the team, but he takes her to opening day and she wants to learn about the team. So she buys like the book about the Red Sox and kind of embarrasses herself. But she wants to have that connection that he has. Yeah. But then you you can see also she's kind of like, dude, this is way too much. Your entire apartment, your dish towels, your shower curtain, everything is Red Sox. Well, I, I can honestly see how somebody could get a little worn out. Mm-hmm. When it's not your true passion. Yeah. And honestly, at one point, I think there's times where I thought she was a little judgy. But at the end, when he, he uh, they do get in that fight because he does miss that one game, she was warranted in her feelings. She was absolutely warranted. I think back to when I was a single guy in my late teens and early 20s, I watched damn near every Indians game and every Cavs game and every Browns game because I didn't have a girlfriend or anything like that. But when you have a significant other, you can't, I'm sorry, you can't just sit there and watch. Up there in Boston, you're, you're talking 300 sporting events a year. That's true. Because they got the Bruins too. That I'm is like, big. you can, but you can. not if you want to have a relationship. Unless that person is equally passionate about those things and they, I mean, I think you're asking way too much of somebody to sit down and watch 162 Red Sox games a year. Like, that's brutal. You can love sports, but, but I get it. There's yeah. There's plenty of people that do it. Yeah. But there. no, I agree that there has to be like compromise. Yeah, and exactly. And at first, obviously, Ben doesn't want to compromise. Not in the least. But also, I feel like Lindsay was overly judgy for a little bit there. Until she realized, like, wait, I really like this guy, and this is the worst thing about him? It it could be a lot worse. It was interesting. He was okay with taking other people to the games. He didn't just want to go to every game with her. He still had his friends. He was going to take games, too. So he didn't expect her to go to... All of them. 81 games. But at the same time, I'm like, that's... If she goes to 10 games with you a year, that's 70 times that you're... She's not going to see you for days at a time, too. Well, it was in that, the speech after she comes back from Paris, where she is trying to reevaluate their relationship a little bit because they had a pregnancy scare. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, I feel like whenever there's a big moment in my life, I have to go run to the fridge to look at the schedule and see, oh, grandma don't die because... Oakland's coming to town. Yeah, yeah, so in that, to me, it seems really relatable to somebody that always prioritizes something else over their relationship. Yeah. No, and that was one of the moments where I went, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> she came up to you and wants to go to Paris for the weekend, and you're like, what? The Yankees are in town. Yeah, you just went to... It's late in the season. You've gone to 70 games, bud. Yeah. Calm down. You can miss a few. And this is coming from a sports fan damn straight did you have any plot holes i didn't i just had some like things that irritated me about the movie okay the and this is just being a sports fan the they go to opening day and they're playing texas and then ben and Lindsay go get some hot dogs and they're down in the concourse and you can hear the announcer introducing rocco baldelli up to bat and rocco baldelli does not play in texas he plays on tampa bay oh so it just shows you they probably filmed during multiple 
games. games but yeah, sure. it was like, that's kind of annoying. I didn't notice that. You're not a big Rocco Baldelli fan? No. Okay. I think I, I had a hard time believing that Lindsay had no idea that the Red Sox had a curse or believe that they were cursed. Because I, I feel like you wouldn't be able to live in Boston without at least hearing somebody reference it. Yes. I, I It's just, it's hard for me to believe it. And obviously they don't really talk about whether she grew up in Boston or her parents live a little bit further away. Yeah. But they're obviously Boston Red Sox fans, it I think. It seemed like, it seemed like her parents were golf fans more than anything. Yeah. But exactly, she's 30 and this is 2005. So she would have been 11 when they collapse in the World Series. Yeah. Kids would have been talking about that at school. That would have been everywhere. I knew about it, and I was two. I mean, that's just something I heard because I knew people... My brother played baseball. I had friends in high school that played baseball. So it was just a part of the culture. It's very hard to believe that there's towns that aren't sports towns. Like, I'm not sure that Phoenix is really a sports town. I think they're a basketball town more than anything. Boston is a baseball town. Yes. More than anything. (laughs) You would know this. I can understand if... You might not know something about the Patriots prior to Tom Brady because they weren't that good. But the Red Sox? You know the Red Sox. Right. I agree with you 100%. That is a plot hole. Like, maybe she doesn't know why there's a curse or the specifics of the curse. But the fact that she was just like, do you guys really believe in this curse? Like, are you trying to get stabbed, Lindsay? Are you trying to get stabbed? (laughs) I like how he was just like, what are you doing? Stop talking. Stop Stop talking. Stop talking. Did you have anything else in this category? Uh, no, just another thing about like kind of a goof was the beginning of the movie. It says it's Boston, October 2003. Right. And it's just they're kind of doing some B-roll footage of Boston and it's all landscape shots. Everything is green. It's Massachusetts. It should be. It's going to be beautiful fall. It should be beautiful fall. And my thing is, is uh, when Ben asked Lindsay to go to opening day with him, they're barbecuing in the park. And you can tell it is either fall or winter. The trees are bare. Yeah. You guys couldn't find B-roll footage of Boston in the winter or the fall to say, look at all these brown leaves. Like, that's not Boston in the winter. That's Boston in July. That's true. It irritated me. Good good find. Good yeah. find. I also questioned, you know more later in the movie how insane of a fan Ben is, but I I really question why he wouldn't just come out and say, like, yeah, I go to spring training on spring break. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like every person I've ever met, if you did that, I think you'd just be like, yeah, I go down to Florida to go to spring training. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But he was like... So afraid to tell her he was ashamed. And I feel like most guys would not be ashamed of that, whether they should be or not. I do think he had self-awareness as to how obsessed he was. Yeah. Because he was a little leery about even wanting to take her to a game, I felt like. At one point, he's like, she's going to see that side of me. And I, uh, later on, they kind of explain it more in the sense that he's had relationships fail because of his obsession, which, whose fault is that? <laughs> if you haven't learned your lesson, Ben. Yeah. You got to have a little give and take, buddy. Right. But yeah, I just, at first, like, out of context, he could have easily just been like, yeah, I'm going to spring training. No, no big deal. I'm not a crazy fan. No. I didn't say you were. Why are you saying you're not a crazy fan? <laughs> I mean, we live in Phoenix. Half of our tourism... It occurs in the month of March, and it's spring training people coming to town. 
And yeah, I I feel like when I think of those people, I think of like the older retired baby boomers that can afford to like yeah come down here. But I'm sure there's dudes that take bro trips for a week and come here or Absolutely. go to Florida. So yeah. especially if you live up there, you've just spent five months in bitter cold. Let's go down to Florida or Phoenix and golf and go watch some baseball. I just feel like if you're a dude that does that, then you're not ashamed of it. You're like, yeah, that's what I'd do. I'd go down with my bros, have some Bud Lights. I, I think maybe early 20s Ben is proud of it, and late 20s Ben's going, maybe I do need to, but I don't want to change, but maybe it may change. What was your funniest line or moment? I will say there was a lot of good chuckles in this movie. Uh, one of the parts that I specifically like is Ben and Lindsay were eating lunch and Lindsay's on her phone and she gets off the call and they're talking and then the phone rings again and she's uh, she's, she's frustrated because it keeps ringing and he's like oh I'll take it and he answer, takes the phone over and he's like oh hello yeah no this is Ben her pool boy slash sex slave and then he's like okay yeah no okay no problem all right bye hangs up and he's like call your mother that one was good I like that one. Um, yeah, there's a couple that I found pretty hilarious, but I think the one I found the most was just the montage. So their first date, he goes to pick her up and she got food poisoning. So she's just throwing up and delirious. And at one point she's laying in bed and they just show a montage of her seeing Ben taking care of her. And at one point he's brushing her dog's teeth because the dog had like leaks some yeah. of her throat she's like don't eat that quite a few moments like you said that were really really funny just a lot of the stuff jimmy Fallon said seemed so easy and almost like it was improv but it, i don't know if it was or not but it just seemed like when he takes her to the game for the first time mm-hmm. and he's introducing her to the guy that's behind him al waterman yeah and he's like how you doing buddy i'm on to dialysis <laughs> it's like okay good and he's like oh there you go, buddy. <laughs> like, uh. And then uh, when they're trying to educate her on the history, and they're like, they won the World Series in 1912, 1913, 1915. And he's just like, yeah, Al would know. He was there for all of them. He's 136 <laughs> years old. Yeah. Uh, uh, so good. funny. I did like, it's, I think, the first scene when he takes the kids to the office. And one of the kids says something kind of wisecracky to Lindsay. And Ben smacks him in the back of the head. And he's like, hey, don't do that. She's like, are you allowed to hit the kids? And he was like, uh, yeah. Do you want me to hold them so you can take a swipe? And he like grabs the kids' arms. Yeah. yeah. I, I did like also another moment uh, where he's talking to one of his students at baseball practice. Mm-hmm. And he's complaining about Lindsay wanting him to change and have better priorities. And his student was like, you have to ask yourself. You love the Red Sox, but did they ever love you back? And he's like, get out of here. Who are you, Dr. <laughs> Phil? Oh. I'm like, that kid is super wise. Yes, he is. What was your cringiest moment? Uh, my cringiest, we kind of talked about him going down to Florida for spring training, which we both said there's no issue with. But he gets on Sports Center. Yeah. And they're interviewing him, and he's just like, ah, 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 ah. And they're like, where, where do you put the Red Sox? And he's like, it goes, Red Sox, sex, breathing and i'm like oh my god but you know there's some red Sox fans that would say that yeah Ugh, cringy so bad yeah 
my moment was uh, what I said earlier about Lindsay having a little sit down with her girlfriends. And she oh. says, how has he not been tranquilized and tagged? Yeah. And that's the moment that I'm thinking. I feel like there was this point in rom-coms where they were like, let's have the girls talk like they're dudes. Yes. And it will be different because usually the girls are just, you know, crying in their pillow, but we'll have them talk like they're dudes. But I still think it's a little offensive to talk oh, about yeah. anybody that way. Yeah, they're talking about him like he's a piece of meat. And exactly, that's how guys were allowed to do it. Now we're going to take it and switch it. Yeah. Something that doesn't age well and it's kind of cringy is you mentioned Lindsay gets hit in the head with a foul ball and they make it a whole joke out of it. And it's so bad with people getting hit with the foul balls. They have extended the netting all the way to the foul pole starting this year. And I think the majority of the stadiums, because last year and specifically a little girl got hit in the head and she has permanent brain yeah, damage. No. And I remember the guy who hit the ball had an emotional breakdown right then on the field because he saw what happened and he just, I don't know how he went up and continued it as at bat because he was crying. Right. And that's something I'm like, yeah. I was thinking that that when that scene happened was like, people have died from that. Yeah. It does not age well. Now you can't even make that joke anymore because there's netting there and the ball's not going to hit anybody. Yeah. Thank God. That would be a plot hole. Yes, a plot hole. Also, the extent of her damage would also be a plot hole, but... Touche. I agree. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Because I might have a couple. I mentioned it to you when we were watching the movie. There's a player who plays on the Red Sox. His name's Kevin Millar. He's the first baseman. I cannot see his name or hear his name without thinking about this old man that walked up to my brother <laughs> one time and goes, Has anyone ever told you you're a dead ringer for Kevin Millar? <laughs> <laughs> Which I still like to make fun of him about to this day. Your Boston accent is... Thank you. I Thank just you. made a motion like... That was top-notch, right? Yeah. <laughs> he looked at your hand three different times. I made the okay symbol, but... Isn't that like a sign of white supremacy now or something like that? Yeah. So I don't want to make that. Sorry. I don't know when that happened. I don't know. I don't keep up on the supremacy yeah. slang or lingo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been to the meetings lately. <laughs> We are not white supremacists, guys. That was Just a joke. So and I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> this is making me uncomfortable. Stop. Stop Real. talking. Just stop talking. Sorry. I didn't really have any additional notes other than at the beginning of the movie when Drew Barrymore makes that seagull noise. And she it's, does it twice. And it's a solid seagull noise. Very it's solid. impressive. Oh, and I, I mentioned it to you. I thought it was very interesting that the Red Sox would agree to let Jimmy and Drew onto the field to celebrate. Yeah. with them when they won the World Series because they were cursed for 86 years and they had to have planned that and flown Jimmy and Drew and agreed to well, let them they... go to the game and go, if, hey, when we win, you guys are allowed to go out onto the field with us, which I'm going, you're cursed. I don't know. Maybe it was like a more impromptu thing. Maybe they went to the game just because they went to the game and they won. and. But the game was in St. Louis. Oh, It's not even in Boston. They well, won it on the road. Yeah, I know, but they filmed most of that movie but way before that. Yeah, that's true. I would imagine it was a last second, hey, they're going to win the World Series. We should incorporate this in the movie. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. agree with incorporating it. I'm like, I just think it was interesting that they were okay with making even that negotiation. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm good. You want to move on to the awards? Yes. 
and as you are aware, it is always award season here on Ruining Our Childhood. We give out two awards every work, the every week. <laughs> every work. Give about every work. Every week, the first of which is a valedictorian to the Nicolas Cage Online School of Bad Acting. Whom did you give your award to? So I really liked this cast, and it was primarily Drew and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any complaints about either of them. I had to give it to one of the side characters because nothing annoys me more than this poorly written side characters. And the worst one to me was Robin, one of her, the blonde of her friends, Katie Strickland. It had nothing to do with her acting. I think it was more about her character because she was the one that was always giving Lindsay the bad advice or kind of giving her this complex about there was something wrong with her boyfriend before she knew that he was obsessed about the Red Sox. And then when she did find out that was his flaw, per se, she made it worse in the sense that she's like, do you really want to date a guy that's obsessed with the Red Sox? And and it's funny because at one point, Ione Skye's character points it out that she's like trying to sabotage her, her at Lindsay. And... (laughs) <laughs> she punches it in the face. But I just felt like she was the most annoying out of her friends. It's funny to me also that she, her character, is trying to say there's something wrong with Ben because he's obsessed with the Red Sox, but it's whose husband that's trying to buy the tickets from Ben right. at the end of the movie because he's just as obsessed with them. So there's nothing wrong with him, and your husband's probably just as bad, lady. Yeah. For me, I agreed with you. It was a pretty good cast. But I thought it was unnecessary, These some of the random side characters that they created to be the Red Sox fans mm-hmm. who sit by them uh, at Fenway Park. So I kind of just narrowed it down to, her name was Isabel Fink. She's just one of the ladies that sits by them. In the sense, I thought they were unnecessary characters, all of them. And it, uh, Except for I liked Hal Waterman's character where you would give him the sponge and he's like that guy who sits by you at a sporting event who knows a lot. But I'm like, you have a very funny person in Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, and they're doing an excellent job carrying this movie. You didn't need to create this just annoying Red Sox fan. Well, there was there was like four of them. Yeah. And one of them, though, I think it was the younger one. She mm. was actually on... I was looking at the trivia, and she's actually from Boston. Okay. And she... Is that the same person you're talking about? I think? It might be. <laughs> Was she the younger blonde one? Yes. Oh, okay. She's actually a Boston fan. She was in one of the documentaries about Red Sox fans, and Jimmy Fallon had seen it and had cast her. Now I Not feel bad. Ca- he didn't cast her, but he, like, suggested her for a Oh, part. now I feel really bad. Like, she wasn't an actress and everything. Okay. Well, She's that's cool. She's just a Red Sox fan. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, then. And now I take back and I apologize. <laughs> but it does then pick the guy with the beard. No, but I agree that that was, like, the weakness of this movie was that they gave them way too many friends, almost. Like, he had three friends, and honestly, other than the one that was the doctor that we named... Willie Garrison. I couldn't pick the other two out of lineup. I don't know anything about them other than they're just his two guy friends. They and were not nearly as well-developed as... The female friends? Lindsay's friends, yeah. I will say they her female friends were a little more developed, but I felt like, honestly... They could have just made that one or two characters. They didn't need to make it three. Agreed. And his friends could have really been narrowed down to like one. Yeah. Because there's ones that come to when they're picking games to go with them. There's a couple of them. I don't think they had lines. No, they were just like glorified extras. Yeah, just two guys standing in the background. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's very true. Yeah. Uh, we can move on to the Thomas J. Hanks Award for Exceptional Acting. Who did you give yours to? I gave it to Drew Barrymore as Lindsay. I thought her, it was kind of neck and neck for me. I really like the chemistry that the two of them have. But you can tell she's a better actress or a better actor than Jimmy is. And you can tell Jimmy is still a little... Stiff. Coming with the one-liners and the zingers. Whereas she had some emotion to her character, especially like when we mentioned how he was so upset that he missed this great comeback. And she looks at him like crying. It's like, you broke my heart because he was like, this is the worst night of my life. After just saying that it was the best night of his life because yeah. he spent it with her. Exactly. But Which I, is a shitty thing to say. She's just a delightful actress to me. I've always yeah. enjoyed her. I love her. I, I was going to choose her, but I honestly think... That I loved Jimmy Fallon so much, and that's who I chose in this movie. I agree with you to an extent that he was, he's less experienced. Yeah. But I thought his one-liners were all hilarious. I thought he was charming, and his character was really likable. Yes. Again, if you compare it to last week's movie, he, as a male character, he was not overly macho, even though he was into sports. Yeah. He was in touch with his feelings. He was really caring about his students. Mm-hmm. He was so caring that he took care of her on their first date. Like, that's husband material right there. Mm-hmm. And he was upfront about his Red Sox obsession. Definitely. And then I thought, like, when he bought the Red Sox onesie because he thought she was pregnant. That was really cute. And, he, and then he was so disappointed when she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like, that always stuck with me when it, from watching this movie was how, like, in touch with his emotions, which at the time... A male character in touch with emotions was uh, not something you'd see a lot. No. Uh, it's a very well-written movie. Yeah. And like you said, when you compare it to last week's movie where the stars of the movie aren't very likable, it's the complete opposite with this movie. The two stars are extremely likable They're and likeable, you root for them. And they, they still have flaws, though. Yeah. And obviously, I think he was almost a perfect character up until... When he does say, like, this is the worst night ever, mm-hmm. and he punches the wall. <laughs> but he learns from his mistakes, of course, later. But So much so that he immediately realizes he just lost Lindsay, and she's worth more to him than the yeah, Red Yeah, he Sox finally game. realizes. He wants it. to sell his tickets. He doesn't want that part of his life anymore. He would rather have her. Yeah. And then she's like, no, don't do that. Like, it was just, it was cute. It's like, and I can understand what his obsession came from because he was just like this lonely little kid and he connected really well and it, you know, it it brought him a lot of good memories of spending time with his uncle. Definitely. So it's like, I get why he was obsessed. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like him just trying to be like, I'm a dude and I like baseball. Like he had a real like emotional connection to the game. So I, yeah, compared to last week's movie, these characters were way more likable despite their flaws. Absolutely. So would you say this movie held up to your standards or no? I do. I do think it held up. I think that in a series of rom-coms, I felt like this one had a pretty unique premise. And I know it's a remake. Yeah. And it's based off a Nick Hornby novel. Mm-hmm. But I I do think like compared to other American rom-coms that this one seemed real. The situation seemed realistic and it wasn't too crazy. They weren't lying to each other so much. I mean, I guess they were lying to each other in this 
sense that he was trying not to make baseball a priority, but it was hard for him not to. Yeah. Because he's done it his whole life. It's really well written. Mm -hmm. It's well acted. It doesn't have a lot of cringe to it. I think uh, I almost kind of forget how much I enjoy the Fairley Brothers' work. And this, they made this movie. They made yeah. Dumb and Dumber. They're really funny. Well, they write well, good movies. But yeah, it's just a good movie. It's really a fun movie too. I yeah. enjoy it. I liked it. Yeah. I did. I think it's a very underrated rom com too. I, I don't agree. know that a lot of people saw it, but I figure it would be easy to convince a macho guy to go watch it. It's a comedy, and it's gonna have. They're gonna talk about the Red Sox winning the World Series, and it's got Jimmy Fallon, and it's. It's going to be fun, whereas it wasn't, oh, we're going to go see Richard Gere and Julia Roberts? Yay. You're just putting yourself in a box, man. I'm not in that box. I know. I'm saying, though, it would be easy to convince a, a macho Go Raiders guy to go watch this movie. That's what a macho guy sounds like, in case you're wondering. They go, Go Raiders! Only macho guys are Raider fans? Yeah. And they say Raiders like they're from Boston, too. Go Raiders! <laughs> very good it's a very confused man yeah it's weird okay so it holds up i i will say that i think the most dated thing about this thing is like i said the fashion mm-hmm. and some of the designs of the living spaces but i yeah it definitely holds up to me for the times that was popular down to we noticed watching this movie we had drew barrymore's bed frame yes that was our bed frame when we moved in like together leather, 13 dark. years ago Dark yep. leather. Yeah, this is that exact one. We don't have it anymore, though, guys. <laughs> we had it for like nine years. We did. It was a good bed frame. Yeah. So, but we agree it held up. So we thank you guys for listening. The bed frame didn't. The bed frame didn't. It broke. <laughs> Gross. It did. It did break. Because I was fat. <laughs> no, uh. it was... It was old, and it probably wasn't the best bed frame in the world. I had to use the bed frame to jump up on it, because our bed was so high, so it was only a matter of time. Yeah. Our bed was super high. It was like a good 40 inches off the ground. (laughs) So, But we thank you guys for listening, and uh, we will be back next week with a new episode of Ruining Our Childhood. Yes. And if you have a moment, why don't you check out our social media Instagram at Ruining Our Childhood. Facebook at Ruining Our Childhood. And Twitter at ROC Movie Podcast. We will see you guys next week. Yeah. And yeah. Bye. 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 <laughs> and yeah. I yeah. Say it for you. yeah.